0: Outside. All right. Uh, this is WMRWLP Warren, and I think I have Maggie on the line. Maggie, can you hear me?
1: Hi. Uh, yes, I can. I'm right here.
0: Okay. Great. That doesn't sound too bad. We're talking to Maggie Gunderson today. This is Politics and Science on the 16th of March, 2011. And today we're discussing um, our nuclear catastrophe in our world today, uh, happening in Japan. And after Maggie's off, we'll be talking to uh, Raymond Peet. Dr. Raymond Peet is a physiologist from Eugene, Oregon, talking about how to mitigate the effects of radiation. Uh, Maggie Gunderson is a uh, founder and president of Fairwinds Associates and a freelance paralegal specializing in environmental nuclear safety and energy litigation in federal and state administrative law hearings. And you worked in the nuclear industry for a while, right, Maggie, as did your husband, Arnie?
1: Yes, we both did. That's where we met.
0: Well, thankful that you're with us here today, and I was hoping you could bring us up to date with what exactly is happening over in Japan and what the ramifications are for that part of the world and for us.
1: Okay. Well, the, the news that just came during the last hour is that all the fuel has bought.
0: Say that again. Okay. We, we lost you there.
1: All the all the fuel has boiled dry in unit four.
0: Ah.
1: And that, that was in the spent fuel pool. It's not in the reactor itself. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a full core offload. So uh, that's a tremendous amount of radioactive fuel that is getting very, very hot. And there's a the fear that it could catch on fire. If it catches fire those particles become airborne. Mm. It's a worse worse scenario than having a meltdown. It is? Yes, it is. Because that radiation will travel anywhere. If there's a meltdown, it does get into the water table, but you're able to monitor. You might even be able to... They might even be able to... Uh, corral some of the, the contamination and um, do things to mitigate. But this is airborne, and this will go wherever the air blows. It's, it's like if you see someone smoking a cigarette and uh, somebody just walks past and the plume changes. This, mm. The plume can move in whatever direction the wind is blowing, toward Tokyo, uh, towards the U.S., Toward mainland China and you know across the rest of Japan, it can go whichever way the wind is blowing.
0: And I know, uh, I know Chernobyl was terrible because it was an explosion and that forced the radiation, and that was a core meltdown, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. There was
1: a graphite fire, it that the Chernobyl plant is a graphite plant and was not. Uh, a liquid reactor like we're talking about, and there was a fire in um, the graphite. Only at Chernobyl, only 90, well, only 3% of the radiation escaped. The other 97% is still inside the containment, inside the sarcophagus that they built around it. This accident, since the containment has failed, this radiation is getting out to the environment. Matter of fact, the U.S. Surgeon General was on a tour in California and um, spoke of of the fact that anyone in the U.S. should consider getting potassium iodine to protect their thyroid. It would be a prudent thing to do. And um, the NRC announced today and the the State Department announced today that they've told all personnel in Japan, U.S. personnel in Japan, to go at least 80 miles away from what's happening. And that's more than double what the the Japanese are saying.
0: Hmm. And the NRC is usually uh... I never thought of them as being actually that worried about low-level radiation.
1: Well, it's it, it's not low-level radiation. It's not an explosion like a bomb, but it's not low-level radiation. Okay. There, there's there are no more personnel on site operating the plants. They've had to remove them because the radiation levels are too high. Hmm.
0: So basically things are just, they're just running their course.
1: They're running their course. They do have, uh, people who are risking their lives to keep, you know, putting water on the plant and taking care of the plant. That way to try and keep, they're pumping seawater up there. But there's, there's no operational things that they can do.
0: Hmm. And so that's the, the, uh, the fuel rods are they the ones? In, it was number four, the f- one of the reactors that was out of commission, and so all the fuel rods were waiting, uh, to be re- yes,
1: okay. All the fuel rods had been offloaded into the fuel pool. So what what's really scary about that, and it is is that there is no, there are no. Um, Rods to put in, control rods to put in to slow down the reaction. The fuel rods are in the fuel pool, and there's no way to as, as the water burns off. There's nothing to keep those, that fuel pool cool. Jeez. If, if, the, if, it starts, if the fuel gets really hard and it starts, starts a chain reaction, it cannot be stopped because there's not anything to moderate that chain reaction. That was the difference with Chernobyl. Chernobyl's a plant that works as as the chain reaction is going on inside, the operators have to work really hard to pull it back. It's like a gas pedal pushing downwards all the time. In the Japanese plants, which are the same as the Vermont Yankee plant, their boiling water reactors, the same vintage, same design, their Westing, I mean, uh, their uh, General Electric boiling water reactors, and they also, both uh, General Electric and Westinghouse now are owned by the Japanese. Um, the boiling water reactor works, you have to push the gas, you have to push the um reaction to happen, and you have a lot of control on it, mm-hmm. What? but they don't have control on this because this is the spent fuel all just sitting there together. There's no control rods in there, and yeah. as the decay the, the heat causes mini-chain reactions, you could have a fire or a meltdown in, in the fuel pool itself.
0: Okay. So that's...
1: That's about as technical as I can get. Uh, You you listed on on your website that I'm a nuclear expert, and I am an industry expert, but I'm not. um, I'm a paralegal, and I'm a mediator, and that's the angle. I'm not as technical as Arnie.
0: Okay. Well, um, you're probably more technical than I am and most of the people listening, so I think that (laughs) suffices. Uh, What's the... So that's just going into free fall, basically, and what's the state of the other uh, reactors? There's six of them there, is that right at that uh, Fukushima uh, power station?
1: Yes, um, there are um, well two of them already are in partial meltdown. What happens when you have when the reactor's operating and when they stopped it, and when the storm came up um, when the earthquake started they they stopped the reaction the emergency system worked and the reaction was stopped. Mm -hmm. But when they couldn't keep the reactor cool, there are things that, there's 5% of the heat is decay heat, and that is what has kept burning. The other 95% was stopped, but the decay heat is enough to keep boiling off all the water. Mm -hmm. The diesels had gotten swamped by the tsunami, so they didn't have any backup power. And they couldn't cool the reactor for a really long time, any of them. So my understanding and this has been changing hour by hour, so I'm not I can't be totally clear on what's happening. I saw three different reports before I came on with you. Um two reactors have had a partial meltdown. You know, they have parts that are melting down and how bad that'll be will depend on, on how much seawater these um Employees who are risking their lives being in such a high radiation area. I mean, it's just uh, incredible. They they are pumping in tons of seawater to try and make like a lake under the reactors. These reactors are are raised. So and um, the in a boiling water reactor, the um, control rods come up from the bottom into the reactor itself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Whereas a pressurized water reactor, and I worked on pressurized water reactors, I have never worked with boiling water reactors. I worked on nuclear fuel reload core design, so that's doing the calculations for the the fuel each fuel reload every on on PWRs. Um, However, you know whether it's a year or 18 months, whatever the utility has decided to run for, and um, the BWR. The control rods come up from the bottom. So those daughter products can come through. The, the bottom of the reactor is not as tight as on um, a pressurized water reactor. It's very tight. Mm-hmm. And the control rods come down from the top. So those daughter products that are generating all this excess heat um, are slumping into the bottom and making a molten mass, and that is coming out of the bottom of the reactor. That's why they're trying to cool it. They're making a lake underneath that between the base of the metal reactor and, you know, the vessel itself and the concrete base of the containment. Someone asked me, is this special concrete, you know, special nuclear-grade concrete? It's, it's concrete. It's just regular concrete. I mean, like you would find on a bridge or something. There's not a special nuclear grade to it.
0: Mm-hmm. And how long can that hold up to temperatures that I've, heard are like 2200 degrees
1: well as there's no one else i mean we're in uncharted territory here the fuel pool can get up to four thousand degrees oh and we're in uncharted territory and when there's some studies i looked at them today and NEI the Nuclear Energy Institute, which is the lobbying arm of the industry, is saying this you know, there can't be a a fire in the fuel pool where there's already been one. There's you know the containment can't leak. Well two of them have blown their lids off.
0: Right. So this this we need
1: to go back and look at the general design criteria on every nuclear plant. And a lot of them are just they're they're too old is Vermont Yankee, Oyster Creek, Pilgrim. These are very, very old, old plants that don't have any current safety standards around them and they they've been all of the uh parameters under which they were built have been grandfathered in. So they don't need the current regulations.
0: Yeah, that's scary. And Vermont Yankee got an up rate um ten years ago, I think. Uh, so it's actually so the uh,
1: upgrade is really a frightening thing because um if there's an accident at Vermont Yankee that then there is forty percent more radiation than a normal accident because of the upgrade. Even though the upgrade was twenty five percent the way the, the daughter products act, hmm. the way the, the material acts, you get forty percent more radiation in the upgrade. And, and the emergency evacuation plan was designed around um, the way the plant was built before the upgrade. It is not possible to get everyone out before there would be a, a lethal dose in, if there was a severe accident at Yankee like there has been here because there's just the evacuation plan, emergency plan does not work.
0: Hmm. Now we only have a few more minutes, uh, Maggie Gunderson. I was wondering... Uh, people would say, well, the Vermont Yankee is not at risk because uh, it's not an earthquake zone and there's no danger of tsunami. But it is next to a river. Is, is there a flooding danger there?
1: Yes, there is a flooding danger there. Um, hurricanes that could knock out power or, un, or or do something to unstabilize the grid. Um, Vermont Yankee's backup power is diesel, just like um, the plants in Japan. If they were involved in a flood or a hurricane and couldn't, you know, couldn't operate, then, then they, there's no backup power there. And if a huge storm and flooding knocked out the service water where it, that cools the plant and that comes out of the Connecticut River, mm-hmm. um, uh, for a terrorist, I mean, one of the things Union of Concerned Scientists has, has really worked hard pushing the NRC on the threat matrix since 2000. Uh, You know, since 9-11, since uh, 2001, Mm -hmm. there's not enough protection at these intake structures. And if somebody took a Miami Vice-style boat and and, and, and filled it with dynamite and ran it in there and knocked out the service water at the same time the diesels were knocked out somehow, you couldn't cool that plant. And, And the NRC does not consider that a realistic part of its threat night matrix,
0: so they don't even consider these as possibilities. Hmm. Well, that's uh, not very reassuring, to say the least. W- Maggie, I know you're not a meteorologist, but what do you do? You know how um, the uh, f- the fallout from what's happening in Japan might behave. Have you talked to anybody who has an opinion about that?
1: I don't know that. Um, there's no one know, and again, no one knows. I mean, will a lot of that come across the Pacific and come to the U.S.? There was extensive data from bomb testing um, that was done in the Pacific originally, and the you know a lot of that um, strontium and cesium were carried to the U.S. during those tests, mm. and. Uh, absorbed into kids muscles and bones and things so i don't know you know no one knows this is we're in uncharted territory this is worse this accident is worse than three mile island worse than chernobyl and is the worst accident that this world has ever seen okay. of any kind of industrial accident or any kind of you know in terms of an illness the only other thing that was as bad as this was the bubonic plague but that ended. Here there's a half life of hundreds, you know, of hundreds of years on some of these radioactive isotopes and for the plutonium in the, and these plants are running with a, a mix with some plutonium in them. There's going to be 250,000 year waste left. Jeez.
0: Well, it sounds like um, you were once, I assume, in favor of nuclear power. It sounds like you may have changed your position.
1: That's correct. I was in favor of nuclear power. I believe, um, you know, I'm a woman, and and I was part of Jobs for Energy Independence, which was a U.S. organization, and I was working in the nuclear industry in part to make sure when there's plenty of of energy um, available, women and minorities have jobs, and when. Energy gets really costly or there's economic issues, women in minority lose those jobs. So that's why I began in the nuclear industry, and the scientists had assured me it was the safest thing, and and I don't believe it anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I can see why. Uh, Maggie, I'm going to have to... I hope, oh, go ahead, please.
1: I hope I've answered all your questions, and, and I want to tell everyone, please, to, um, you know be praying or thinking for the the people of Japan. Um, This is a terrible, terrible tragedy.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Maggie Gunderson, and I hope to check in with you again soon.
1: Okay. You're very welcome, John. Take care.
0: Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Maggie Gunderson, who is founder and president of Fairwind Associates. Uh, she 's a freelance paralegal specializing in environmental nuclear safety, and energy litigation in f- in uh, federal and state administrative law hearings so i 'm going to put on some music and let 's see uh, something by tom Waits and i 'll be back uh, with Dr. Raymond Pete, physiologist and we 'll be talking about radiation its effect. On life and how to mitigate, uh, the negative effects, which I think is all they have. Alright, here's Time Waits.
3: They hung up in our town. If you were living. Monte Rio's son Just like a bullet leaves a gun With a charcoal eyes and monroe hips She wouldn't took that California trip
0: here on the 16th of March with Dr. Raymond Peet, uh, who's a physiologist and a biologist and a science historian from Eugene, Oregon. R- Ray, can you hear me?
4: Uh, yes, very well.
0: Oh, good. You sound great. Uh, well, thanks for coming on today. Um, I thought, considering the catastrophe and uh, tragedy that's happening in Japan right now, we talk about uh, radiation, uh, which is probably going to be circulating around the globe and some of it will be heading toward the United States and Canada, I'm sure. Uh, and I thought maybe we could talk about, uh, radiation's effects on the body and, and ways that it can be mitigated. Um, so maybe, well, maybe you could start out just by yeah, t- talking about radiation.
4: The first new issue of my newsletter, uh, in 1981, was about the issue of um, radiation damage.
0: Radiation damage?
4: Yeah. And um, I read lots of uh, mostly Soviet research. Uh, They were the ones mostly interested in how to repair damage. And uh, the um, main factors are the amount of magnesium, in the cell, and, uh, the metabolic rate, and it happens that, uh, uh, thyroid is what's needed for the cells to retain, um, magnesium at a high level. And, uh, this old research that I reviewed, uh, 30 years ago, um, was, th- the central idea was, was the high metabolic rate, uh, Activating uh, repair processes uh, so that once the damage was done, it was almost immediately repaired. The thyroid function was very high, allowing cells to retain magnesium. And uh, just in the last couple of years, uh, a group studying the radio resistant bacteria, uh, they've been found in several situations, they were discovered at uh, Oregon State University when they were sterilized food with uh, super-intense radiation uh, in cans. And the irradiated food, after a few weeks, rotted. And uh, they found there were bacteria that survived millions of rad. Hmm. And uh, this type of bacteria uh, just recently was found... Uh, Not to have uh, any special resistance of its DNA, but uh, the protein uh, system that repairs the DNA is what is uniquely resistant to radiation damage. Uh, So that the the DNA can be torn into tiny fragments, but if you have the uh, enzymes left for repairing, uh, the bacteria re their DNA from tiny little scraps if their proteins are good. And this group recently discovered that, um, that manganese is an essential factor for the uh, survival uh, of these bacteria. Hmm. What the manganese is doing is catalyzing uh, very fast um, of glucose
0: Hey Ray I'm going to interrupt because we're having the same uh, phone problem again where it's clipping your voice
4: It's a terrible echo
0: Oh you're getting an echo I didn't know that Yeah How's that? When you talk, talking um, how is that?
4: It, it um, That made it uh, decrease there, There's a slight echo but it sounded like there were three of us for a while
2: Hmm
0: God, I just don't understand why it's doing that. Um, well, to try it again, and we'll see if it goes. But I may hit call you back and see if we can get rid of that.
4: Okay. Um, anyway, the um, the very fast glucose metabolism is almost all turned into carbon dioxide, and uh, carbon dioxide ha- happens to uh, protectly stick to amino groups of protein. And uh, that's been my approach to um, defense against aging and stress, to keep the carbon dioxide up high in in mammals. But apparently these uh, bacteria carry it to an extreme so that they can survive millions of rad of uh, ionizing radiation.
0: I see. So you're saying that their um, metabolism is high enough? Does this have to do with the thyroid function as well?
4: In, in well, it resembles. It's parallel to the thyroid function. Uh, they do it just by uh, this manganese-containing uh, enzyme system that that very powerfully turns glucose into carbon dioxide. But in mammals, it's um, the thyroid hormone that's primarily responsible for turning uh, glucose and fats into carbon dioxide.
0: So one of the problems with uh, radiation uh, is that it does damage the thyroid. And I know that, I guess, um, my last guest just said that the uh, American Surgeon General, who's traveling abroad, uh, just recommended that people get a supply of potassium iodine to take, uh, which I hadn't heard this.
4: um, Yeah, the, the CDC a few days ago recommended A single dose of 160 milligrams of potassium iodide for an adult uh, to be repeated if the iodine cloud uh, stays around for more than one day. Uh, Kelp or dalt or other iodine-rich seaweed, uh, a few grams per day will do that if you don't have the pure potassium iodide. And even the antiseptic tincture of iodine if you paint some on your uh, skin uh, people have used that to disinfect water so if you're not allergic to, to, to that uh, that's an alternative way of getting your iodine up but I think that the basic thing is to keep your thyroid hormone active uh, if necessary by using a supplement of thyroid hormone to keep your thyroid-stimulating hormone, the TSH, down as close to zero as you can get it, because uh, that's good for many reasons, including that your thyroid isn't going to be uh, metabolizing and so it won't take up the toxic concentration of uh, uh, radioactive iodine if your TSH is kept at zero. And meanwhile, with high thyroid Activity is going to uh, accelerate the repair processes. Where if you rely on potassium iodide, that's going to dilute the radioactive uh, contaminant so that it doesn't destroy your thyroid gland. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the, the potassium iodide tends to suppress your thyroid function, uh, lowering the whole body's metabolic rate and uh, that makes it increasingly susceptible to radiation damage. Uh, If you think of the the inverse relationship between thyroid and estrogen, uh, a low thyroid person usually has very high estrogen. A very high thyroid person has low estrogen, and estrogen synergizes with radiation damage. So a low thyroid person is doing many things to make all of their tissues more susceptible to injury by uh, all of the radiation sources which include uh, carbon isotopes, cesium, uh, strontium isotopes uh, are important ones in uh, nuclear fallout. And um, The iodide suppressing your thyroid gland, as the CDC recommends, isn't going to do anything at all to protect you against uh, strontium, cesium carbon, and other uh, radiation sources, Uh, and in fact will tend to make you more susceptible to injury by them by suppressing your thyroid function.
0: Because if your th- if your thyroid's functioning, you'll be able to remove th- those quick- quicker.
4: Um, yeah, the, the cells uh, are producing carbon dioxide, which uh, forms a defensive barrier on the proteins, uh, keeping them uh, from uh, suffering destructive oxidation. And uh, the magnesium retained by the thyroid is used in the. Uh, repair enzymes for DNA repair, um, and at the same time, you're lowering the estrogen throughout your body, uh, which uh, you want to avoid that synergistic effect of radiation and estrogen.
0: Hmm. Now, you've, you've said that um, potassium iodine is not good for you in the long run. In the short run, that would be something to do if you didn't have any other choice, I suppose.
4: Uh, yeah, if you don't have thyroid pills or uh, kelp or, or dulse or seaweed, then potassium iodide is fine if you're not allergic to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people uh, have a very intense inflammatory reaction when they oh. take uh, iodide or iodine.
0: And in terms of uh, raising your thyroid function, most people probably won't be able to get their hands on any thyroid supplements. Uh, w- how can they do that?
4: Um, well, the quickest way is to make sure that you're uh, getting enough food and fuel. Uh, sugar, moment by moment, is used by your liver to activate the thyroid hormone. So if you go hungry for several hours, your thyroid is going to decrease its function. And, uh, on even a shorter scale than, uh, just keeping your, your body well nourished, uh, coconut oil with its short chain saturated fatty acids, uh, competes with the inhibiting unsaturated fats that are always tending to circulate in the body. And, uh, Uh, Those are acting as a break on the thyroid, so the coconut oil uh, short-chain fats are able to compete against the inhibitors of the thyroid, uh, momentarily liberating a higher thyroid function. So that only lasts a couple hours for a tablespoon of coconut oil, so uh, if you add nothing else, you could eat a tablespoon of coconut oil every couple of hours.
0: And, and that's better than, than butter and other saturated fat?
4: Uh, or only in the sense that it activates your uh, thyroid function more powerfully. Hmm.
0: I see. And what about uh, vitamin E and, and vitamin C and things like that? Are they at all important?
4: Um, uh, not very. Okay. Uh, in some situations, They're protective against radiation, but uh, when I was reviewing the literature 30 years ago, uh, they were somewhat ambiguous, and uh, nothing uh, very interesting has turned up since then. Uh, Progesterone as um, an anti-estrogen is probably one of the other short-range protective things.
0: I see if, if people could take progesterone, that would uh, lower the synergistic effect of radiation and estrogen you You've said before that that radiation is is very similar in its effects to estrogen um, and people actually take estrogen as a supplement uh, in hormone replacement. Uh, could you comment on on the similarity in the in the effects of radiation and estrogen?
4: Um, yeah a lot of this research was done in the late 1930s and uh, the um, estrogen functions were uh, identified as similar to suffocation and stress and radiation and uh, about 15 years later when the concept of estrogen receptor was introduced Uh, there was a great push to distract people from the uh, biochemical effects of estrogen and uh, blame all of estrogen's effects on the uh, actions of a receptor protein, which was supposed to activate the genes which uh, create the female traits. Um, But it turned out that that was really... Uh, The research was supported by the Atomic Energy Commission, and it it, uh, claimed that estrogen is not metabolized in cells where it's acting. And um, Hmm. 20 years later, that was proven to be absolutely false. Uh, And the fact that it was supported by the Atomic Energy Commission and done by a man who had been working in chemical warfare, I think, makes that the whole... Uh, foundation of the receptor theory suspect hmm. because the, the um, 1930s research was very clear that uh, any stress uh, activates, including the, the protein that is now called the estrogen receptor, any injury to the organism uh, increases the appearance of the estrogen receptor as well as the estrogen functions which include inflammation, water uptake, uh, uh, suppression of the respiratory function, and uh, eventually uh, uh, atrophy and, and fibrosis and calcification.
0: And cancer. Yeah. And, and, and radiation has those similar effects, I understand. Um,
4: yeah, it, biochemically they seem, my dissertation, uh, was part of it was, uh, trying to find anything different between, uh, radiation, stress, and estrogen's effect. And, uh, I-, I couldn't find any, uh, basic physiological or biochemical difference between them. They both, uh, interfere with oxidative metabolism and activate the stress metabolism. So I think that means that uh, we have evolved estrogen simply as a as a way to activate certain biological processes, uh, cell division uh, in preparation for uh, implantation of the embryo and uterus, uh, uh, cell division to to develop the breasts to give milk, and cell division in the pituitary to uh, activate. Prolactin secretion uh, and it takes only about 12 hours of exposure to estrogen to get those processes going hmm. and uh, so I think the biological meaning of estrogen is just uh, like a, a quick jump start function for certain processes Firm. and the chronic use of it uh, is completely contrary to the real biological research and uh, r- really has no uh, foundation other than the marketing departments of the uh, drug companies and the uh, whatever the military has in mind.
0: Um, how does the military fit into this?
4: Uh, well, they they are the ones that promoted the uh, uh, concept of the estrogen receptor. Uh, Elwood Benson went from working on chemical warfare to working on the estrogen receptor. And his group and the people in it have formed a a tradition supported by the Pentagon. Uh, Some of them have been working more recently at Lawrence uh, Livermore Radiation Lab Hmm. Uh, on the estrogen receptor uh so it for sixty years now it has been of great importance first to the uh the military and atomic energy commission and uh now to various government agencies
0: hmm. that's um that seems a little bizarre to me, but I guess uh they're always looking for uh things to use to as weapons basically.
4: Uh, yeah, at different times they have uh, have been interested uh, in its uh, birth control effect, uh, population control.
0: Ah, uh, and that's one of the things they were studying. I think, and when they, uh, I think you've written about this, uh, they did uh, releases of large amounts of radiation and then studied the effect it had on uh, population and sterility and such.
4: Um yeah yeah and estrogen is is really a more controllable way to to uh, sterilize the population
0: um, Maybe you could talk a little bit about what the danger we face uh, from what's coming out of Japan now in this uh, tragic meltdown of the uh, nuclear reactors and and is this a particulate radiation that we're we're um, going to be exposed to, in the uh, that's going to go up into the atmosphere and travel around the globe, or is, uh, the, is yeah,
4: as long as it stays very high in the atmosphere and doesn't rain out, it isn't going to do too much harm. But if it if it uh, doesn't rain out in the Pacific, and if it happens to uh, get through a dry spell for a few days across the Pacific, and then rains out uh, wherever it comes down, it will do a lot of damage. Uh, A few of the bombs that they exploded in Nevada uh, happened to um, stay in the air uh, until uh, one of the fallout clouds rained down in uh, New York, uh, in Pennsylvania I guess was the one that Ernest class happened to be uh, on the site. Mm -hmm. and uh, saw that uh, his radiation measurements were uh, showing extreme contamination while the government was saying nothing had happened. And that started stern class on his uh, research on uh, what was really happening. And he showed how the uh, U.S. Public Health Service was uh, collaborating with the Atomic Energy Commission and even state government agencies to put out false information and destroy the actual data. So uh, whatever we're going to hear from the governments of Japan and the United States, I don't think there's any precedent for thinking there will be any truth in it.
0: Yeah, I was just reading the introduction to a book about Chernobyl um, uh, that was published in this country just recently and edited by uh, Janet Sherman. Uh, and that book starts off with saying that uh, that you'd think that the governments would want to study the actual data of these accidents to improve uh, the safety of nuclear power pr- plants and uh, to understand what happens when things go wrong. Uh, but this Russian scientist was saying that all this information was suppressed uh, after the Chernobyl nuclear accident and it it sounds like you're saying that you think the same thing will happen now, most likely from... The, from, from yeah,
4: you can't have a nuclear industry or uh, a popular uh, nuclear deterrent idea if uh, people understand the dangers uh, that are very likely to happen uh, from things that are fairly uncontrollable. Um, mining the material and uh, disposing of the material are sources of, of uh, radiation exposure. Um, and they are now talking about avoiding uh, the carbon uh, increase in the atmosphere to prevent global warming. But mm. they neglect uh, the amount of carbon used in mining and manufacturing. Uh, the, um, there's a great petroleum expense in producing the uh, the fuel and the the uh, factories for making the atomic energy. Hmm. Uh, so it, it's uh, very uh, polluting in the carbon sense. As well as the much worse pollution from the uh, the mining debris and the uh, waste disposal problems, besides the leaks from the installations themselves.
0: Yeah, I think one of the reassurances we're always told is that um, nuclear uh, power, you know, doesn't even uh, the emissions from nuclear power doesn't go above the background radiation. Well, one of the things that bothers me is that. Um, the background radiation is always going up, and they're allowed to adjust the standard by which they set that their emissions to that background radiation, and it's going up because of their own emissions. So there's a little bit of a escalating um, loop that's going on, whereby all everybody around nuclear plants and all of us are getting more radiation as time goes on. And
4: the um, the type of radiation is uh, crucial in its biological effects, uh, the industry has the tricks of uh, comparing living in Denver or flying in an airplane uh, with uh, breathing fallout from the nuclear industry. And uh, it's completely uh, ignoring the uh, well-established fact that the, uh, the gamma rays that they're counting in Denver or in airplane uh, have a low energy transfer to the tissues. They go through so fast they don't react. And uh, at lower altitudes, uh, they, they talk about less radiation exposure, but actually at sea level, you're getting tertiary and secondary cosmic rays which have more uh, energy delivery in a toxic way to your tissues, so actually Denver has less biologically effective radiation than sea level. Hmm. And uh, the another uh, trick they use to make it seem like uh, radiation isn't necessarily harmful is to uh, show a, an alpha emitter uh, and a detector, and then <clears throat> put a sheet of typing paper. Uh, in the past, and showing that it stops the uh, alpha particles from uh, passing through. Mm -hmm. But if you uh, inhale uh, an alpha emitter, uh, when that particle goes, it's going to hit a cell, not a sheet of typing paper. And the the fact that it will stop uh, in a sheet of paper means that it has a hundred percent delivery of its energy uh, to the tissue, and it's the delivery of energy that causes the tissue damage, mm. uh, not exclusively. Um, the, the, um, when gamma rays pass through you, uh, they give up a little of their energy in a scattering uh, manner, uh, so they they have a very low uh, linear transfer of energy but uh but they still uh, do damage by a, a partial uh, giving up of their energy
0: so the uh the low uh velocity is what really harms you and so if you have a inhale a particulate of uh that's radioactive um even though it might not be that much radiation it's it's the fact that you're just getting all of it in one place that makes it so serious
4: Yeah, uh, the beta radiation from iodine and uh, strontium and cesium, uh, basically all of it's going to be absorbed when a particle uh, decomposes in your tissues.
0: Could could you just?
4: It's not as uh, locally intense as alpha particles, but uh, it's uh, much more effective at tissue delivery than x-rays or gamma rays just passing through your body.
0: I see. And just uh, for those of us who don't know, could you just quickly summarize what alpha, beta, and gamma uh, mean in terms um, of radiation?
4: Alpha particles are are uh, uh, actually an atomic nucleus, and so it's a big, fat particle that uh, stops easily when it runs into cell material. A mm-hmm. uh, beta uh, particle is uh, an electron uh, which is much more able to pass through uh, cells without being absorbed uh, but it still is is a particle of, of matter or, or of electricity x-rays and and uh, gamma rays are photons so they're analogous to light and uh, the certain Frequencies will resonate more with, uh, with the living substance. Uh, so the X-rays have a, a, a fairly intense interaction uh, with living material compared to gamma rays. But still, uh, they can be equated. The amount of energy delivered to the tissue, the linear energy transfer, LAT, is how you compare the the different types of radiation.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I suppose it's impossible to make this comparison, but I'm going to ask you anyway because maybe there is a way. Um, if we have fallout from some accident like we're having from Japan, uh, how does that compare to you know uh, going in for medical X-rays or some or dental X-rays? Is it, is there a comparison to be made?
4: Oh, um, uh, yeah. The um, the thyroid is, is damaged by all of them, but um, if, if the cloud is uh, uh, very fresh, close to the the factory, um, uh, iodine has a half life of eight days, so it takes three months to disappear. Uh, so if it's um, if it's your thyroid, you're worried about, and if the Uh, cloud taking a long time to get to you, uh, uh, then uh, it could be that the x-ray to your head and neck would be the worst. Mm -hmm. But uh, usually the fact that you breathe in or eat the particles is going to mean that the fallout is worse, uh, considerably worse than than just having a a dental x-ray.
0: Now I know uh, there's a a scientist named Dr Christopher Busby and he's uh criticized the safety standards by which the international agencies uh grade uh how much radiation uh, a person can take and i think he's basically talking about what you're talking about here which is that uh the the standards that they use now uh take everything uh, all uh, doses of radiation as if it's a whole body dose and it doesn't take into account as if it's spread evenly through all your tissues and he's uh, saying that they don't take into account the fact that it's often quite localized and therefore causes much greater damage because the energy is all focused on one part of the tissue
4: Uh, yeah uh, the dental x-rays tend to cause uh, cancer of the eyeball the brain and the thyroid but the um Estrogenic effect will cause uh, a series of dental X-rays to make a pregnant woman uh, deliver and a premature, underdeveloped, underweight baby mm.
2: just by
4: the systemic estrogen effect. But uh, it does cancerize uh, the things that are closest to the exposure, and uh, the uh, I get it. The government's tendency has been to. Uh, Uh, use whatever uh, measure sounds the least threatening, such as uh, uh, failing to make the distinction between the local uh, dose and the total body dose. And uh, they've done the same thing with um, interpreting the danger of the fallout from the atomic bombs in Japan, uh, where the bomb uh, smoke went in a, a sort of a triangular pathway downwind from the explosion. Mm -hmm. They drew a circle around the uh, center of the explosion and averaged out the uh, people at a certain distance in any direction and tended to make the uh, people who were actually exposed to the fallout disappear by averaging them 360 degrees around the circle.
0: I see. Thereby lowering the incidence of problems. Yeah. Well, Ray, I'm sad to say that we're out of time. Uh, maybe you could just, uh, in a, if you could, maybe it's not possible to uh, summarize quickly the things that people could do uh, to mitigate radiation uh, problems.
4: Um, Yeah. Uh, eating seaweed, uh, kelp, and uh, uh If you have a bottle of iodine, you can paint some on your fingers and toes and soak up some of it through your skin. And uh, all of this shouldn't be done uh, until the cloud is actually here because uh, excess iodine is toxic to your thyroid uh, in itself. Uh, But if there's an intense uh, cloud passing over, then uh, these... External sources of iodine will protect your thyroid, but they won't protect the other tissues, so keeping your thyroid function up is, is the ideal way to do it.
0: I see, and that's done with uh, coconut oil and?
4: Uh, yeah, sugar, coconut oil, and when possible, a thyroid supplement.
0: Okay. Uh, Dr. Raymond Pete, thanks so much for being on tonight. Okay, we, thank you. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, I hope. Okay. Yep. Bye. Bye for now. And thanks for listening tonight. This has been Politics and Science. I'm John Barkhausen, and that was Dr. Raymond Pete. And you can find out more about his work at his website, raypeet.com. That's R-A-Y-P-E-A-T dot com. A lot of very interesting articles. And let me just remind you that the fundraiser, although it should be over, is still going forward on slow mode. Um, We're at about 80, what is it, $8,320 and we gotta get to 9,000. So we really appreciate all of you who have donated and all of you who are about to donate. We just have a little bit more to go and we'll have our operating expenses for the entire year. All donations are tax deductible. And how do you do it? Well, you can go to wmrw.org and click on the pig to make a credit card or PayPal donation. Or you can send your check to WMRW P.O. Box 95, Warren, Vermont 05674. That's P.O. Box 95, Warren 05674. And this program and the following program present the viewpoints of its producers and participants and don't reflect an official opinion of any other person or organization.